may be seated. Like y'all were waiting for me. <laughs> well, um, since I, uh, a year ago, committed to preaching a sermon every Sunday, um, in the back of my mind, I've been thinking about doing this series. Like I always uh, wanted to do a series on the Psalms. Um, I get so much out of the Psalms. Everyone has their favorite devotional that they use. Uh, for me, it's the book of Psalms. I usually read one every morning during my quiet time. And, uh, and so uh, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to read different Psalms. We're going to talk about the different types and different kinds of Psalms. And, uh, and for your uh, pastor's Devo that week, there'll be other examples of those types of psalms uh, for you to read during your quiet time along with me. Um, but uh, the, psalm, the type of psalm we're going to start out with this week is the pure and simple psalm of praise, a psalm of worship. We're going to read together Psalm 148, and 148 is, uh, is one of the five uh, psalms that ends the whole, the whole Psalter, the whole book of Psalms, and they're called the Hallel Psalms. And they're called the Hallel Psalms uh, from the Hebrew word to praise, Hallel, because each of these five psalms that ends the book of Psalms begins and ends with the command the command version of Hallel, Hallelujah. Praise Yahweh. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Each of these, uh, each of these psalms begins and ends uh, with that command, praise the Lord. And so we're going to read one of these Hallel psalms together right now. Psalm number 148. Hear now the word of our Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights above. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His heavenly hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded and they were created. He set them in place forever and ever. He gave a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. He has raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all his saints, of Israel, the people close to his heart. Hallelujah. This is the word of God. May it find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. 
I'm not saying this to be modest or to be humble, but because it's the truth, I can not sing at all, period. I can't do it. I can't carry a tune and a bucket. I wouldn't know a pitch if it hit me in the face. I can not sing. People don't believe that. People who sing say, well, everybody can sing, right? But I can not. Now, this is a fact about me that I've, I've learned to live with, but I didn't always know it. Uh, when I was a child, like all children, I would just belt out what I was, whatever I was thinking and feeling when I was thinking and feeling it, and I would sing, and it didn't matter where I was and who I was in front of. I would sing with abandon. And I can remember the exact day that I learned that I couldn't sing. See, when I was in seventh grade, uh, I wanted to join the youth choir. Um, the youth choir uh, had all these old, cool teenage kids in it. And once a month on, on, on Sundays, they would, uh, they would sing a song. And, and not one of the stuffy old hymns either, like the, 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 the contemporary worship songs, like the modern cutting edge ones, like Awesome God and Lord I Lift Your Name on High. It was the 90s. And, uh, and we would sing these songs. And, um, and at the end of the year, to celebrate, they would go to Dollywood. And that was something I wanted to be a part of. And so I joined the youth choir. I went to several practices. And then one day, the director of the youth choir called me into his office. He gave it to me straight. <laughs> he said, Danny, um, there are many gifts in the church. And I know you are a gifted and talented young boy. And I know that there is a way that you can serve in the church that will best use your gift. But I have to be honest with you, singing is not one of them. You cannot match pitch. You cannot carry a tune. Um, I just, I, I think you need to find another area to use your gifts. I have to be honest. I was devastated. That hurt. That kind of truth stings, you know? And what made it worse is that the choir director was my dad. <laughs> so, true story, I promise. So, uh, but it's better to hear that kind of thing um, from a family member at an early age than to learn it when you're in front of the judges on American Idol on national television. So I'll always be grateful for that. But that was the day I learned that I couldn't sing. And I've always carried around me this, 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 this kind of anxiety about my voice. Like the thought of, of, of singing uh, in front of others, it, it really, it makes me queasy. Um, it makes my, my palms sweaty. It, it makes me nervous, the thought that, that, that someone could hear my voice. And I do fine, like in the shower, in the car, or even, uh, even like, like contemporary worship settings where, um, where, uh, where the music is cranked up really loud and no, like resurrection, no one can hear you singing anyway. But like when we're here, and it's the piano, and it's our voices, I'm barely whispering. Sometimes 
I'm mouthing the words. If I'm preaching over at Central, we have these lapel mics, and I'm constantly nervously, two or three times during the hymn, checking it just to make sure it's not on and carrying my voice over the congregation. I have this, this anxiety when it comes to worship, when it comes to singing. Now, I wish I was like one of those youth pastors that could just whip out a guitar and, and lead a group in some choruses. I mean, that would really come in handy sometimes. I would love to be able to be the type of leader that can do that, but I can't. I could practice for a thousand years. I couldn't do that. Now, I learned to play the guitar in college. Uh, my freshman year, we had chapel services. And, uh, and we needed some music. And I said, well, I'll learn to play the guitar if someone else will sing. And so that's what we did. And that following summer, um, I was uh, volunteering uh, in the Redbird Missionary Conference. And I was working at this, uh, this um, children's day camp. And I was really excited about it until they started uh, doling out responsibilities. And the director of uh, the, uh, the children's day camp selected me to four times a day league song time with a different group of kids because she had heard that I could play the guitar. And uh, I, 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 I pulled her aside when I got the chance. She said, I'm grateful for the opportunity, but really, I mean, I can play the guitar, but I cannot sing. I can't do it. And she said that same thing that, that everyone who can sing says, everybody can sing, right? It's something that people can sing say, right? Everybody can sing, she said. And she, can, she said, that's where I need you, and God will use this to help you confront your fears, and, uh, and, and those, those kids... Uh, They'll just love you, and they won't care if, care if every note's not perfect. Well, four times a day all summer, I did this. With four different groups of kids for about 20 minutes, I sat in a circle with them. I played the guitar with my chord sheets, and I led them through song time. And four times a day, every day, I got this, 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 this queasy feeling in my stomach. I got this lump in my throat. I broke out into cold sweats, and I just survived it for 20 minutes. It was terrible. It was humiliating. Uh, I remember one, one day a, a mother came up to me after, after the camp was over, and she said, what's this, uh, what's this new version of awesome God you're, you're teaching the kids? I've never heard it that way before. I couldn't tell her the truth. There's only one way to sing awesome God, and that was just the way it sounds coming out of my throat. And that's the way I was teaching them to do it. And so I said, well, it's, it's, somewhat, it's a cool way we do it at camp. <laughs> it was embarrassing. I, I, uh, I, I, I bravely confronted my worship anxiety all summer long, and the worship anxiety won. The worship anxiety kicked my butt. I, I, I didn't confront my fear and overcome it. I confronted my fear and was overcome by it. I carry that worship anxiety with me to this day. 
And I don't tell you this so that you'll feel sorry for me. I tell you this because I have to think there's someone in here maybe that feels the same way, that carries a little bit of worship anxiety with them. Maybe you're like me and it's the singing, right? You just, you just, you barely whisper, right? So that your voice doesn't carry out over the congregation. But there's some of you that if I asked you to, to get up here in front of the group and, and do our scripture reading or pray for the group, you, you would feel that same anxiety that I feel about singing. And there are some of you that maybe you have this anxiety about um, there are some times that, that, that you want to raise your hands or there are some times that you, that you want to uh, let loose and amen. And, uh, and, and you feel like it. And, you, and I see it in your eyes sometimes when I'm preaching. Sometimes I see that amen right there. Other times I see, I see it too. Um, hurry up, we got to eat. Right? I see that. But sometimes, sometimes I look out and I see that amen and I see you choke it back, right? Because we Methodists blink in the spirit, right? So some of you carry that anxiety. And then some people, some people, it's anxiety producing just to be here. Just to be sitting in these seats. And I think those of us that have come up in church all our life don't get that. For some people, it's just anxiety producing just to be here. Because because they don't know where all the hymns are found. They don't know what, what this piece of paper's for. Or they've got things going on in their life and, and they're worried that like that they're, they're like exposed and, and, and people know what they're really about or, or what they do on Saturdays and that they don't belong. And so it's just anxiety producing just to be here holding these pews down. The struggle is real. Worship anxiety is a real thing. We carry it with us sometimes. So how, with this anxiety, how can we possibly carry out God's sacred command to hallelujah? How can we hallelujah when we're afraid of lifting our voices? How can we hallelujah when we're afraid of contributing. And so that brings us to Psalm 148. Look at it with me. Psalm 148 has, uh, has two movements, really. Uh, there's uh, verses 1 through, uh, 1 through 6, and then there's verses 7 through 14. It begins and ends with the command, praise the Lord. But, uh, but uh, the first movement, the psalmist uh, is talking to the heavens. It says, praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him from the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. So the psalmist in that first movement is calling out to the heavens. Seven times in that movement, he says, praise him. Seven times, praise him. Uh, calling to mind, surely, uh, to, to uh, his readers or listeners or singers, the seven days of creation. 
Let all of creation, all of the heavens, praise the Lord. And then the second movement, starting with verse 7, the psalmist begins talking to the earth here below. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding. So he starts, he starts on the outskirts, uh, the great waters uh, where uh, the sea creatures dwell, um, where, uh, where they used to believe the lightning and the hail and the snow was all stored, out, out there uh, uh, on the edge of the waters. And then he comes in to the land. You mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds. Then out of the land into the world of man. Kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and maidens, old men and children. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Uh, it's like this, uh, this cosmic symphony, right? Every, every creature in heaven and every creature on earth joining together in praise of the Creator. And I say it's like a symphony because, because every creature is created different and so every creature praises differently, like a different instrument in the orchestra, like the, the angels are, are like, are like these, these, these brass instruments uh, singing melodiously over top the whole thing, all the hosts of heaven. And then uh, you've got um, the twinkling stars and the sun and the moon, just so elegant in their geometry. They're like, they're like um, these precise uh, stringed instruments like violins and cellos. And then you have, uh, you have the bass sound of, 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 of the roaring thunder and, and the sea creatures and, and, and the ocean. And then you have the percussion of the hail and, and the lightning rolling and crashing. And then, then, then you have uh, uh, the, the, the wind uh, uh, brushing through the woods and, and, the, and the call of the birds and all the animals. And there in the center of it all, it's you and I being called to raise our voice and join the cosmic symphony. It's a beautiful picture. But we bring with it, to it, this worship anxiety, this, 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 this fear that, that what we're doing is not enough, that, that we're somehow going to ruin it all. We're called to join the symphony and, and, and we're, so, we're so worried about messing up that we're missing out. We're so worried about messing up that we're missing out on being a part of this symphony of praise. You know, it's, uh, it's worship anxiety really at its rock bottom it's about us when worship is supposed to be about God. We make it about us, what we bring to the table, what we're able to do, how we sound, instead of who God is, what he has done, what he has said. See, we make it about us when it's really 
about him. Worship, we make it really complicated, but what it is at its very root is this. Creation connecting with the Creator. It's us, the Creator, connecting with our Creator. That is worship. And it's all about Him. It's not about us. And so if you're worried about messing up, you're missing out. See, in each of these movements in Psalm 148, it begins with the command, first to the heavens and then to the earth, uh, to, to praise the Lord. And then each of these movements ends with the reason why. Starting with verse 5. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He set them in place forever and ever. He gave a decree that will never pass away. That's just the reason in the first movement. Then in the second movement, starting with verse 13. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. He has raised up for his people a horn. The praise of all his saints of Israel, the people close to his heart. See, praise is about the one we are praising, not the one doing the praising. Praise is about him, not us. It's about he who created us, he who redeems us. And and when we bring this worship anxiety and we don't allow ourselves to connect with our creator, when we're worrying about messing up, We're missing out. We can't let our worship anxiety prevent us from from telling our Creator just how much He means to us and how much we long to connect with Him and how, how thankful we are for everything that He has done in our life. We can't allow our worship anxiety to keep us from, 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 from calling out and praising the One who, who came down and dwelled among us who redeemed us from our sins and justified us before God. We cannot allow our worship anxiety to prevent us from, from, from having our spirits be filled with the Spirit who encourages us, who energizes us, who empowers us to live godly lives. See, worship is not about the creation. It's about the Creator. This reminds me of a story I once heard about the greatest triangle player in the universe. It goes like this. So after uh, seven days of creation, um, God took the day off, and then uh, he, uh, while he was taking the day off, he had this wonderful God-sized idea. And he decided... I'm going to have a symphony to celebrate the creation of the world. And it is going to be the greatest, most beautiful, most wonderful symphony in the entire history of the universe and all of creation. Every note is going to be perfect. It's going to be majestic. So the next day when God gets back to work, he calls all of his angels together and he tells them his plan. And so he begins uh, assembling an orchestra. 
He says, we're going to have this symphony. It's going to be um, the most beautiful symphony in the history of the universe. And I need my best angels on every part. And so he uh, picks the 10 best angels for every instrument. Uh, the 10 best trumpet players, the 10 best harpists, the 10 best flautists, all of them. And then he assembles this choir, the 10 best uh, baritones, the 10 best altos, the 10 best sopranos, and so on. Then when it comes to dole out uh, the last part, he gets this single triangle. And this job is for one angel, not 10, just one. Because, see, it's a crucial part. See, there's this, uh, there's, there's this moment in the seventh movement of the symphony when all of the instruments are going to begin to swell and, and, and the music is going to rise up and all the stars in the heaven are going to, to, to twinkle on and off and all the planets are going to twirl on their axes and, and all of the uh, nebulas and pulsars and quasars are going to light up and then there's going to be this great big crescendo, and then there's going to be this one triangle ding, right? Just right at the perfect moment. And so, uh, so uh, God hovers above his angels, and he selects the one that he deems to be the best triangle player in the entire universe. So he says to his newly assembled choir, um, I want to hear this concert tomorrow, so you have a thousand years to practice. It's a God joke, think about it. All right, so, um, so he's, he's assembled this choir. He says, remember, every, uh, every note needs to be perfect. It's got to be on point. It's going to be the most beautiful symphony in the history of the universe. Well, the angels do practice for a thousand years, getting every instrument tuned just perfect, every measure precise, every note just right. And the next day they gather and they have the symphony. And all the angels are there, all the hosts of heaven, and there in the center of the crowd is God sitting on his big white throne with his, his crown. And the symphony starts. And it is majestic. It is beautiful. It is some of the most moving music you've ever heard in your entire life. Imagine it with me. Well, the moment comes. The seventh movement. All the instruments are swelling. The, 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 the stars are flashing. The quasars and pulsars and nebula are lagging up. All the planets are twirling on their axes. And, uh, and all the instruments are building up to this crescendo. And then the moment comes and no one knows why. Maybe he was distracted. Maybe he was having a daydream. Maybe he had to sneeze. But the best triangle player in the universe missed his part. And the entire symphony grounds to a halt. And every star in the universe is quiet, and all the planets are turned towards the orchestra, and all the uh, angels are hiding behind their instruments, and the uh, conductor gulps, and everyone looks at the triangle player who's trembling, and then they look at God, 
sitting there on his throne. And God stands up, straightens his crown, <clears throat> clears his throat, and says, One more time from the top. One more time from the top. Hear the good news. God lovingly accepts our praise. And there is plenty of grace available for us when we mess up. God lovingly accepts our praise and there is plenty of grace available for us when we mess up. So we get God so wrong, don't we? We picture him up there just sort of, sort of judging us when we sing. Like, uh, like he's up there like, like Simon Cowell or something on American Idol or, or America's Got Talent. And, and we're going to get done singing Amazing Grace and he's just going to look down at us and, and heave a deep sigh. <sighs> that is the worst praise I have ever heard. As if I was listening to a hymn on a bad cruise ship. Right? We make worship all about us, all about the performance, right? We're trying to get that four-chair turn, or at least avoid those four X's, right? We make it about us when it's about him. The God who graciously and lovingly accepts our praise. The God who can't wait to hear from his children. The creator who cannot wait to connect with this creation. The one who, when we mess up, says, one more time from the top. That's who we're connecting with when we worship. The one who lovingly accepts our praise. And when we spend all our time worrying about messing up, we're missing out. So, Ministry can be a, uh, I, I say it's hard, but it's not like ice road truckers hard. Like, I remind myself there are people out there that work for a living. But it, it can be hard in some ways. Sometimes you feel like you pour all your, your heart and soul into something, and, and then at the end of it you just get criticism. Or, or worse yet, indifference. Right? And so um, through those times in ministry, I, I've, I've kind of developed this good habit. Anytime I get like an encouraging email or an encouraging note or something like that, um, I just kind of I stick it in a folder. And then uh, during tough times, I pull those out and read them and, and remind myself that I'm loved and valued and all those things. Well, I wanted to share with you a favorite card that I have. And it's one that I received um, two weeks after that summer, uh, after getting back that summer, I worked at the, uh, at the day camp. I got this little card in the mail. It says, to Danny. And uh, you can look at it later if you want, but it looks on the front like it's got this little bumblebee right here. But it's not a bumblebee. That is me playing the guitar. And these dots down here are all the children. And open up the card, and it says, Thank you for singing, Connor. 
and then the mom wrote a note. Connor has loved singing with you. Seems like he sings all the time at home now. You have made a difference. Thanks, Michelle. This little thing means the world to me. It reminds me it's not about what I can do. It's about what God can do. It's not about what I bring to worship. It's about what God does through my worship. It's not about the melodious, it's really not about the melodious sound of my voice. It's about what God does when he speaks through me. This means the world to me. Because I'm here to tell you, if God can use my voice to touch a little kid, he can sure use whatever it is that you've got. See, worship is about us connecting with our Creator. It's about this, this God that takes what He gives and blesses it and multiplies it and makes it more than it was. So, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord with everything you've got. Praise the Lord in the special way He created you to praise Him. Praise the Lord even if your voice is sharp or flat or it cracks when you sing. Praise the Lord even if you're scared to read out loud or pray out loud. Praise the Lord when you want an offering, amen. Praise the Lord if it makes you scared just to sit in these seats. Praise the Lord. He will take that. He will bless it. He will make it more than it was. Praise Him with whatever He gave you. And if all he gave you was a triangle, then by golly, be the best triangle player in the universe. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.